Welcome to Life in Private Staffing with me, Philippa Smith, MD of Silver Swan Recruitment. As we all know, the private sector is a pretty crazy one. Not only can it be very challenging to work in, but it can be pretty lonely too, as let's face it, no one really understands what it is that we do. So let's come together, help, support, educate and inspire one another, and hopefully we'll have a laugh along the way. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode of Life in Private Staffing with me, Philippa Smith, as you know, MD of Silver Swan Recruitment. Hope you're all well. Hope you've all had a good week. I always say this, but I do like doing these weekly. I seem to be just super busy recording loads of episodes. It means that we can talk to loads of different types of people. We've got loads of cool people lined up. Um, I'm actually like really ahead for once. I've never really been this organized in my podcast. It's normally recording the day before it's released, but... um, no, we've approached it very differently this season and sort of really thinking about who we're getting on and making sure we get different people from different parts of the world, etc. So today we are looking forward to talking with Hannah. So Hannah is a British house manager, but based over in Dubai. And she's actually part of our UAE house manager community. So I was really fortunate enough to meet with her when I was in Dubai just a couple of weeks ago. I had a really nice afternoon and I was like, you have to come on our podcast. I like talking to British people in different countries because I like to talk about what made them move? What are the differences? People, you know, people are here in the UK at the moment or over in the States considering going to work in Dubai. It's good to get a bit of an insight um, as to life there and what they should know and if the work's much different, et cetera. So lots to talk about today. Just before we do, our fabulous sponsor, Kelly at Estate Management Systems. Please do go check out her website, Estate Management Systems. All sorts of things on there to support you as an estate manager from training modules to project management tools. And if you haven't already, please do tune into her new podcast called Dear Billionaire. If you do purchase anything from her website, please do use discount code LIFE25 to receive 25% off. Right then, on with the show. Hello, Hannah. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Oh, sorry for dragging you on. No, not at all. So just to give everyone a bit of insight, I was with you, running, was it how long ago, two, three weeks ago when I came out to Dubai and joined our community event. You're part of our house manager community in Dubai. Yeah, yeah, straight on the art. It sounded like I wasn't very eager then to join the podcast and I totally am. So thanks for having me. I'm excited to get started. Yeah, good. Well, I was really keen to talk to you because I love talking to people who have started their career in the UK or in their home country and decided to go overseas to continue their career because I think that's such a like a massive decision to make because you're leaving everything and you're going to complete unknown mm-hmm. just to work if you like and loads of people in the private sector it's so normal everybody does it yeah and so I like talk to people who have done it to sort of see the highs the lows etc so we've got loads to talk about I think today do you want to sort of kick things off with giving them a bit of background as sort of like where you are in the world right now how long you've been living there for and then take us back to where this all began for you yeah sure I've been in Dubai three years in October so a little bit different for me with circumstances because I'm fortunate enough to have my mother here. So she told me that she was going for a role abroad and I thought, oh God, don't leave me in the UK. What am I going to do? So um, fortunately enough, I'd fallen, as I say, into house management 10 years ago now. I've been doing it for 10 years. So um, something that I didn't have any intention to do. It, didn't, it wasn't anything that crossed my mind originally in terms of work. Funnily enough, as I've spoken to members of our family, my um, well, my granddad was an estate manager, and we also had a full-time nanny in our family, so she worked all over the world, and it was only uh, in the last few years that I kind of discovered that, 
So I think maybe there's something in our blood. <laughs> yeah, God, yeah. So generations in the industry. Yeah, yeah, possibly. So there must be something that we're all drawn to, to uh, to service maybe. Yeah. And experiences and opportunities. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So what happened 10 years ago? Like, how did you even discover this was a thing? So I was probably about 17 at the time and I was starting university at 18, I believe. Uh, took a year out and my mum was really concerned about what I was going to do for work. So my mum is an academic, she's extremely driven and hardworking and uh, one one time she'd come home from, uh, I think, a football match with my brother and she walked in she said, Hannah, I've got you a job. <laughs> You've got me a job. And she said, I've been talking to a lady at the football and uh, she needs an au pair. So I said, what's an au pair? I had no idea what an au pair was. But she was like, well, apparently you've got to live with her Monday to Friday and look after her children. And in the daytime, you can go to university and she'll give you a car and blah, blah, blah. I thought, oh, that sounds like So off I went. And uh, at the time, she had a daughter who was uh, eight years old. And her eldest son was going to Miami Medical School to study. Her middle child was at Bromsgrove, which is a boarding school in Birmingham in the United Kingdom. And uh, so I primarily was the sole care, really, of her of her younger daughter when I was 18. So she was, my principal was um, a single mother and she worked in London and we were up north in Tata. So about two hours commute on the train and she would go on a Monday and come back on a Friday. And we were like a tag team, really. And my position kind of evolved from there because she'd had numerous nannies helping and I was in the house too. And then it became that I was the sole, sole care and, and eventually house manager. So I was operating internal and external shares of the household, really. That's a well cushy deal for you to get to do while you're studying. Most people are waitress. I was used to work in TGI Fridays. Like that's way nicer to be working in a house. Yeah, I was driving into campus thinking I was like these knees, you know, like full time salary, a car. You know, I could never have got or managed to have get a car, get a car myself had I have not done that role. So um, no, my holidays accompanying her. She was American, so she was a director in finance, and she had um, multiple houses in the U.S. So I'd accompany her on holidays to Miami, and we'd do lots of trips to the north of uh, Florida and Death and we had so many incredible experiences with her and she had a really good relationship with me and vice versa and I really respected her and I learned a lot from her actually she had an incredible aura about her she was a authoritarian and you know so I was probably a little bit not in awe of her but also maybe a little bit scared and then as I got closer we developed a really really strong bond so it's something that Again, I, I hold her responsible for bringing me into the world of um, household management, for sure. We say this all the time, that first employer will make or break your career in this industry. And if you have a nice experience, you're locked in, aren't you, really? Absolutely. Yeah. I ended up staying with her for eight years. Wow. To the point where her daughter was then, like, going to college and no longer required me. But I still actually see the family and we've had holidays together since I've left and we're incredibly close. And the amount of times I've asked her for a reference and yeah. she, she always comes forward. So, uh, yeah, I've been really grateful to her. But for sure, she shaped my experience in household management. Because for me, I also did my degree and my uh, I did a master's degree. And what's always been difficult is kind of that with having my mum as an academic and an 
expectation that I was to do, you know, a stereotypical role and possibly be sat in an office and, you know, travel myself and maybe live in London and aspire to do something. And I did a law degree. So yeah, maybe in law or accountancy or something similar, but there's always been something that just drawn me to house management and tapped me there. And I've now in my later years made the decision that it's definitely something that I want to stick at and really, you know, put my all into before future life events, whether I decide to have children or whatever that may be. So um, the other thing that I'm very, very mindful of is balancing social time and this role, because essentially, you know, the role is your, it can be your life and how dedicated you are to the position and the hours that you have and the of travel is very very difficult to manage in the real world as such yeah social friends family expectations of you and it's not something you can always do you know yeah I think it's a real shame that often a lot of people feel that they need to fully commit themselves to the family in order to be successful and actually I think that's such a messed up view and it's there because employers want it there but I think you should be able to effectively manage a household in five days a week and have like a deputy below you and have a team that you've trained to trust. And yeah, like it's a really weird thing. And like, it's kind of nice. I think post-COVID, I think the corporate world's changed on that now. And everyone's a big believer in protecting mental health and having time off and flexible working. But I, like, it's all like back in the day, even though it was like 20 or 30 years ago when like, like stock traders and people working in like high powered jobs, it needs to be seen to be at office all the time. And I sort of that has shifted now post COVID, but I don't know if it has shifted in private households. I kind of think employers, families like to see their stuff around all the time. It's annoying. <laughs> and I find it's really difficult to gauge actually because every family you meet, every household you work for is obviously different in their own special way. And, and I think, you know, some more formal than others. It's, expectations there that you know you deliver service or you're close to the family the children or the animals or you know whatever that expectation is and I think in my experience what's always happened to me and maybe a downfall of um not entirely my personality but possibly how I work is that I am very personable and I tend to get quite close and integrated within the family and it you become so integrated that they rely on you heavily and then it's difficult to, to almost come back yeah, no, completely sort of agree. So throughout all of your studies and your master's, which is very impressive, my husband did a master's and God, it is such hard work. Throughout all of this, you worked with this American lady. Yeah. And then, so when you finished your degree and finished your master's, what happened then to take you to Dubai? So then there was an expectation that, you know, possibly I'd use that, but then COVID struck. So for me, COVID was almost like my saving grace because what ended up making me take the jump and the, or the leap, should I say, to Dubai. And uh, in all honesty, I've not looked back. It's a very, very different experience to what I experienced in the UK. And maybe naively of me because of where I was positioned location-wise, possibly in the UK, I've not had experiences or many experiences with lots of different cultures. And that's something that's very, very normalized in the UAE. So you often work in households where there is an array of you know, people with different backgrounds, religion, cultures, and there's one being mindful of that. There's also being educated about that. There's also working with that and having, you know, experiences on so many different levels. And that's something that, you know, even three years in, I'm still every day I'm learning. And it could be something as interpretation of certain foods in the kitchen or how to clean certain objects or 
So that can be complicated, but also quite interesting because as you go, you're obviously learning and taking on new um, ideas and concepts from all the people that you work with. So it's um, different for sure. Yeah, good point. And I think, like you said before, and you're in a fortunate situation because you moved out because your mum's there. So you've probably got quite a different experience than people who chose to move away in spite of missing their family. So that's a nice sort of balance there. When you were in the UK, you were working with an American lady. You've worked with, I think it was British, your principal, British that. They'll put a house manager between UK and UAE. Is there much difference in that? Is your role very different or not really? To some degree, yes. Only because in terms of what I touched on earlier with working again with different cultures or expectations, working hours, we also have to, you know, be mindful of prayer time, contractors having prayer time. They have long extensive days. Man. So when, for example, in the current household that I'm in, we've been doing interior works on the property. So we've had a lot of exterior staff come into the home, you know, and the heat. We have to deal with the heat. So if they're working outside, it's regular water breaks, regular rest. They must come out of the heat and take time out. You know, even simple things like we've been correcting a pool and tiling a pool and hours in which people work here are really, really extensive. It's something that doesn't correlate with the UK. I know we do lots of hours anyway, whether we're in England or the UAE, but here there's a kind of underwritten expectation that people apply themselves to the jobs and um, we've just got to be mindful that we don't ignore people. The same goes for in the home. I've had many, many objects where I've had to locate them you know we've had people come in to do work and all of a sudden the bike's missing and it's been put on the balcony outside and I'm like oh god where did that go and you know they're not aware of instructing or informing because there's a level of shyness or whether they feel uncomfortable you know requesting or making certain requests for example so a lot of complications come into managing work so I'd say my household experience here has been different in that regard there's less transparency and um, expectations are high and work is not as fast-paced, I would say, as it is in the UK if you were to have external contractors come in. So uh, again, you can get given timelines that could take three times longer than what was specified in the beginning. So that could cause a lot of headaches, especially as a house manager, because you've got the liaise between the principal and the work. Yeah, that's super stressful. And it's the principal that's asking you about it. Exactly. Are there many other UK expats in the house on your work? Are they very much local staff? No, all local staff. So the only um, expat staff that I work with is a nutritionist and PT, personal trainer. Oh, yeah, fair. Yes. So they're from the UK. But in terms of our cleaners, drivers, it's India and the Philippines. Yeah, so many of the roles that come in through our Dubai branch are not for us. And you can tell straight away, if they're looking for a maid, it's not for us because the salary is significantly sort of different setup and what they're looking for. But we do get contacted by quite a lot of people that want Westerners or expats to sort of go over, often it's sort of senior management or front of house. But it is mad that there's such a difference between the packages of Westerners and local staff where yeah. it shouldn't be because you all have the same costs. You all live there. Yeah, for sure. I mean... I think it's around 97% of households in the UAE are staff. And we really, really, you know, even normal household incomes, regular household incomes, if you, whatever you want to call it, we all heavily rely on external help because essentially there are a lot of people that don't have families here. So whether that be someone that feels 
you know, nervous about driving. I think Saint Said Road, our main road here, is voted one of the most dangerous in the world. So it's quite common that people don't want to drive themselves and therefore hire a driver because they trust that that person knows the road better than they do. Or, you know, nannies is also difficult in the sense that we have many second language English workers. So if someone has a desire that they want their child to be raised with someone first language English, it's people have their preferences here and it's certainly something that is required in in terms of external help because without it it's just so difficult to even get along you know and then your staff almost become family because you're so close to them you know and they're looking after children or your children and yeah we really heavily rely on household staff basically. So do you enjoy living in Dubai from like a personal point of view? Yeah I mean for me I think we touched on it earlier I work six days a week so having my day off is uh, obviously something I plan probably a few days ahead. And this week, for example, I'm going to go to the beach, some sun, lay by the sea. And then I kind of have to remind myself that I never had that privilege when I was in the UK. So to make the most of that and it's something I, I enjoy having that downtime. And um, of course, the social scene is also quite beneficial here. I've never really massively got involved with social scene. When I come and visit... I never sort of go out. I normally sort of like have so many sort of meetings and stuff and whatever, or I just stay. I don't know. I've never sort of like been out, out to like a bar. Out, out. <laughs> out, out, yeah. What's it like for a drinker point of view? Because you can drink in hotels, no problem. Restaurants are fine too. Like I find, um, I love the restaurants here. There's such an array of restaurants in terms of, you know, you've got all your regulars like you would have in central London, Zuma, or we have LPM and some really, really high-end, great experiences within restaurants with, you know, the food and um, and you can go to local places where a lot of local people will eat. Yeah, there's so much choice and it's something that I really enjoy doing. Although I often say to my mum, there's not much bar stuffing and eating or sunbathing that we can do. And then once you get to summer, it's so hot that you can only stay inside. So you've got to make the most of it while it's, the weather's okay. Yeah, fair. What about clubs? What if we go dancing? Yeah, I think so. It's not something I tend to do. I just don't have the energy for it, to be honest. I could probably try, but I, um, yeah, I could probably try and get myself out there, but uh, it's not something I tend to do. Day drinking, dancing in the day, that works for me. So I'm in bed by nine o'clock. Yeah, same. I was just going to say, it's that same thing. If there's a pub that was open, like three in the afternoon till 8 p.m., I'll be there, but I can't be going out at midnight, no way. And then what do you do in the summer? Do you stay there or do you leave? So I've been fortunate with my principal the last three years that we've been here. We've left and gone to Spain. So we've spent predominantly, yeah, most of our time in Spain in Marbella. So we'd be based just outside of Porto Venus. Nice. We'd have three months there, use that as our base. And then we tend to travel from there to other places. So we did Orlando, Florida, a big Disney experience with the sun. And that was a great time. I enjoy, I enjoy the aspects of travel. I enjoy being on the plane for seven hours because it gives me a nice break. Same, yeah. And then as soon as I touch down, it's like back to it. So, um, and again, I feel like I'm repeating myself, whereas any house manager listening to this will know hours are extensive. But um, those little uh, sneaky hours on the plane are so beneficial because what else can you do other than sit there and eat and watch films? Yeah, no, completely agree. Long old flies, sign me up. Like, love it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So obviously you've been in this issue about 10 years. What are like the pros for you like why are you here what keeps you here well, why would you recommend it for me I think as a person typically I've not been someone that's kind of 
Oh, I could never be tied down to a chair in an office. It was just not me. I've had uh, my upbringing, for example, I had a conversation with my dad a few days ago about my mum. <laughs> so I was telling her, with it, I said, she just doesn't understand me, dad, and what I'm doing, you know? He said, she's like a racehorse. She's slinkered and she's got one direction, that is work. She just works. <laughs> Whereas we have like a, maybe flair he has an entrepreneurial flair for sure but for me I like to be kind of operations driven I like to see things working well I like being amongst people I like new experiences every day is different no day is the same and I meet a lot of very interesting people whether I'm talking to them or not if I'm privy to the conversation I find it extremely interesting and motivating and I like to hear people's life stories you know we're working with very established successful people whether it be money they've made themselves or they've come from money within their family um I think they all have objectives of what they want to achieve and if they share that with you I find that really really inspiring something that I like to be amongst driven people and um yeah I find that it it keeps me going it's exciting and the opportunities that I've been exposed to are something that I would never be able to expose myself on a regular salary. You know, it's not going to just private jet myself to <laughs> go and fly around the world, you know, and step on somewhere. And, and you know, time and time again, we're exposed to these experiences. And and I think a lot of it is taking it in your stride. And um, I almost do like a, a Victoria Beckham pose. And I just think, you know, I've been here before, I've done this. Yeah, this is fine. This is cool. And really, I'm thinking, oh my God. <laughs> you know, you have to rem- fake it to make it. Yeah, be almost non reactive. And then with that, yeah, you experience things that even your mind couldn't comprehend. And what I find difficult with that, that flip side of the story, is when I do visit home and someone says, Hannah, how are you? How have you? What have you been up to? Like, what a line. What a question. You know, you can't, sometimes you can't answer it because I think, yeah, where do I start? Yeah. But especially people that aren't in this industry, they just don't sort of get it. It's like, you're never going to get it. That's why the, I like these communities because it connects you with other people that do what you do, that do get it. And yeah, and like I said before, I think the inspiration piece is really interesting because like, as they often say, if you want to be successful, hang out with people more successful than you because you will just be driven and inspired. And all of these principles, all the ultra high net worth, they're not lottery winners. They're people who have built very successful life themselves. And so they're very inspiring people to work. They're all a bit mental, obviously, because they do it to an extreme. Yeah. Like I have a business, a little old business. I'm not like that. But I think to get to that level, there needs to be an element of like mentalness about you. But I find that fascinating to be around. I'd be fascinated to be around some of these people like in close proximity. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I certainly do. And I think maybe I had a preconceived idea because obviously in Dubai, well known, there's a lot of ultra high net worth individuals here and people are migrating, especially with recent political dramas around the world. We've had a huge influx of people come to Dubai and uh, a lot of interesting people with that too. And and I think maybe I had an idea that for high net worth, uh, almost untouchable. Or And I think doing this job, it's just made me realize that we're all human, right? And being exposed to that and just seeing how they operate and how they prioritize certain elements of their world and that helps them along the way in terms of health and fitness and eating in the correct way and dining and getting the sleep. And then on the flip side of that, I've worked for people that party nonstop and have minimal sleep or take time out in the day because they've got all the hours under the sun. You know, they're business owners, they're not business operators. So things like that where I've been interested or it made me wonder or 
No, I completely agree. I think it's fascinating. And again, that's why this industry is so fascinating because every family is different. Every family has its own dynamic and reason for being there and way of working and way of like treating people. And it's just like, because I kind of feel like, I don't know if it's it, but I kind of feel like if you're a lawyer and you're in London, law firm, surely all the law firms are fairly similar just from a cultural point of view, a type of work point of view. And you could leave one law firm for another, but surely is pretty much as much as, I don't know, but I, I kind of feel like the differences in the families are so much greater. So if you're a house manager, you'll have such a, such a different experience depending on where you are, who you work for, what you're doing. I just think it's fascinating. I feel like you have such a long career in this industry. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think being 10 years into this as well, in terms of like preferences or recognizing preferences of a principal, I'm almost at the point now where I'm like, mm, I'm not sure we're aligned. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like you have your ways and I know that it's just not going to work for me because I remember a few months ago having a phone call about principal and we were discussing, you know, what their desires were within their home and how they like to have their clothes laid out and which angle the toothbrush goes on and blah, blah, blah. And I thought, oh no, this is not for me. I like to be someone that operates, again, as I said, it's possibly my downfall at the same time, but on a personal level where I do go above and beyond with what I'm doing and essentially that's probably got me to where I am today because of that work effort at the same time it's been a huge sacrifice but I also expect an element of respect from my principles because I respect them and I go above and beyond and I do what is asked of me and yeah and I, I like to build relationships so I think it's really important to have a strong relationship with your principles. Yeah 100%. What's some of your challenges then? What, what are some of the like, sort of like real cons that you sort of struggle with working in this industry? Yeah, it's likely to be reflection of personal relationships because I think I put my all into everything that I do. And then on the flip side of that, if someone doesn't, I don't know, maybe appreciate certain elements of what you're doing or you don't feel like they are, then that can be quite disappointing. At the same time, managing staff in that regard is also difficult because I, I have to make sure that I treat my staff fairly, you know, expectations where if someone's unwell or they're not the standard I've got to really make sure that I address that in the correct way because um, I think sometimes when you're overly friendly people can cross boundaries quite easily because it becomes quite a gray area and so that's difficult to maintain the other difficulty with that with having um, overseas members of staff that have family at home you know it's they take long periods off so in the UAE if if uh, we have for example our uh, nannies from the Philippines they'll take four weeks leave so that period is quite a long time for someone to be away, especially if you've relied on them heavily. So uh, it's kind of like a harsh reminder of what they do do within the home and how much you need them. And I have to place value on, on them and, and for them to know that they're also valued and appreciated and, you know, the work that they do is required and um, they keep it all going. Essentially, you know, they're the backbone of the home. So as soon as they leave for four weeks, which unfortunately is the, Maybe the downfall of um, having such a multicultural, diverse group of people within the home, you know, it's something that is inevitable. They they want to go home and see their families, as do we as um, Pat. So what do you do then? If a nanny goes home back to the Philippines for four weeks, do you get a temporary person in or do you stop manage without? Yeah, often we get temporary. So we'll bring a temporary member of staff on whilst they're still within the home and then we'll train them up maybe for about two weeks. They'll shadow the current housemate 
just see all of the operations, what we do within the home, how, you know, the principal likes certain aspects of the home and just to meet all all requirements, really, in the best way we possibly can. Yeah, fair. Okay, Fab, we could carry on talking about what we love and what we don't love about this industry all day long, but it's really interesting to hear because actually some of the challenges that you experience, a UK person won't experience, because all their stuff will be UK, that'd never sort of happen here. Like, my guys just wouldn't really be able to take a month off, really. Never mind, um, like a housekeeper at home in the UK. But they never need a month off. They only get they only get a month in the allowance the entire year. So they sort of stagger it anyway. I think the other thing with being familiar with where you live and where you're from or where you're working, for example, is building that little black book. Because as soon as you come to Dubai, it's back to zero, and you've got to really work out, you know, where my contacts are going to be, the restaurants. How are we going to get numbers for wardrobe management, stylists? The list is endless. So you've got to work on that pretty quickly in order to uh, get through. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And not only do you need to go and figure out the area for yourself, for your own personal life, but you need to learn, especially the house manager, learn super quick, like what you need and who you need. Yeah. There are also very good tax benefits to living and working in Dubai. I keep thinking all the time, how can I do this from Dubai? Like, how can I? <laughs> it's a massive benefit, isn't it? You know? Yeah, for sure. Tax system in the UK and America feels like messed up at the moment. Okay, Fab, well, I'm glad you're living it there. And like you say, you've had the real benefits. I think the biggest challenge, one of the biggest challenges is the summer months. But if you've been so fortunate to go back to Europe for the summer, like that's just like a, been a perfect setup for you. And probably quite normal. I don't know many people that stay for the summers. No, not in Dubai. I don't know any myself, put it that way. Right then, we need to wrap this up. I've got a quick fire round as we finish with everyone. Don't be scared. They're all fine. Are you ready? No. Ah! <laughs> you are. <laughs> okay, how many years have you worked in the private sector? Ten years. Ten years. What's the most frustrating thing someone in your team can do? Ooh, I don't know, really. Um, go on holiday for four weeks. Go <laughs> <laughs> on holiday for four weeks. I recently had to uh, work out how to bring a painting over from Cannes, so that was pretty difficult with all the team, but we did it. Are there any language barriers having a multicultural team, or does everybody speak English? No, a lot of language barriers. And also interpretation of certain words, and delivering instruction, and do we play that to our advantage maybe, maybe sometimes? Yeah, that could be a good one. Um, What are you not very good at? I would say... From what we've spoken about in the podcast, probably personal relationships, getting close to members of staff and then creating boundaries. So often I'll possibly backtrack and then it's not so easy once you're in too deep. <laughs> it's so difficult because the manager, I kind of have it here a little bit. It's like you want to be mates with everybody, especially if you're the similar sort of age and you all sort of get on. I only really hate people that I really like, you know, they're my kind of people. And so that can be quite difficult because then it's absolutely fine while everything's rosy. But then when you do disciplinary or give feedback or fire somebody, that's super difficult to do, isn't it? Yeah. And I think it's also parts of me where I don't want anyone to feel like I've got this almost superiority over their role. Like I want anyone to feel like they can come to me at any time. Like let's address the problems together. Let's see where we can go with this. What can we do to solve things rather than take a, a problem on themselves and then it just evolves into something a lot bigger. So um, that's probably where I'm coming from with that. But as I said, yeah, boundaries want to... Once they've been given or broken, and it's very, very difficult to bring that back. <laughs> yeah, true. Have you got a tip for anyone starting out in the private sector? Any sort of advice you'd tell someone thinking about it? Probably to have a genuine interest in delivering acts of service, so whether that be within hospitality or service within the home or... You know, I met someone a few weeks ago who really, really just enjoys turning beds around and creating really beautiful bedrooms. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's definitely not me. 
No, fair. So I think to be truly, truly, truly invested within the industry and um, prepared to work very hard and work extensive hours, it's something I've definitely sacrificed, you know, my social life has been non-existent, especially in Dubai for the last two and a half, nearly three years. And um, it's something that I place value on what I do because essentially I enjoy it. So you've got to really love what you do or have a very, very keen interest because you can obviously succeed and uh, this job will take you places that you've never experienced before. And for anyone, I would say just go for it and let it go if you're prepared to work. Yeah, if you're not passionate, you're not going to last very long. No. <laughs> Biggest high of your career so far? What's the top memory you've got? So one of my best experiences was probably flying private jet to Cannes and going to Cannes Film Festival. So we were in a room with uh, Elisa Keys playing on the piano wow. and sang every song. And uh, then we went and partied with quite a few uh, football players. That's pretty cool. And that Orlando Bloom. So quite a funny Funny quick story, everyone uh, was having special photos with him and he he was leaving the room and I thought, this is my only opportunity. I will never have this opportunity again after Orlando Bloom to have a photo. So uh, I said, Orlando, please, can I have a photograph? Do you mind? He was like, no, not at all. And I literally had my arm around his shoulders and I took a selfie on my iPhone and he was hysterically laughing. He thought it was absolutely brilliant. And he said, good on you. Like... It must have respect for people asking because so many people wouldn't have the balls to ask. No, and I just thought, oh, you're standing there and you're having a professional photo. I'm getting right in there. I'll never do this again. Good to you. Treasure that photo. And then finally, apart from this podcast, obviously, any podcast you're listening to right now, any good ones that you like? I just started listening to, is it Jane Sussie that does Life as a Monk? I've just started listening to that. And every podcast I listen to is all very slow, very tranquil and trying to like bring myself down out of this like, you know, fast paced, full on lifestyle, you know, forever running to just kind of this calm. It's not really working, but I'm attempting. Life as a monk is called. Yes, I think so. Love it. I love it. I've written it down. I've written it down. There we go. Look, thank you very much. It's been lovely talking to you. No, thanks for having me. I reckon I'll come back out after the summer. We'll do another little event for all you guys in the community. Absolutely. No, I really look forward to it. I can't tell you how valuable the communities are. You know, even the craziest of questions that go into the group chat, we all need the answers to them. So it's amazing. It's been a great help. That's good. And like you said earlier, one of the biggest problems people have moving to a new area is you don't know anyone or anything. And actually, these communities, if you can get in in one of our communities, You've got 80 other house managers in Dubai that can support you. Absolutely. So really, and make friends. You all sort of get on with each other. So, oh, that's really good. So, yeah, I'm going to come back out. We'll do another event end of the summer. Anyone listening that isn't UAE and is a house manager or a PA or palace manager, get in touch and we'll get you added. Other than that, thank you very much. Let's stay in touch. Is your plan to stay in Dubai long term? Yeah, absolutely. No pumps on coming home. I've got to work on this tan. <laughs> and I just bought a place, I think, haven't you? You bought yourself a new place. Yeah, I just bought my own apartment, so it was a big cat on the back for me. Yeah, good for you. So now I've got to be able to live in it and pay for it. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> okay, cool. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining. Thank you so much for having me, Philippa. Take care. See you soon. Thank you very much, Hannah. Thank you once again for coming on. Honestly, I'm so grateful when people come on. Um, I'm always surprised when people say yes when I ask them because I really don't think it's the kind of thing that people like to do. 
it's definitely something that's often out of people's comfort zone. So um, it's good to do stuff outside your comfort zone. It's good to come and share your story, give something back, help other people, do something that might feel a bit scary. If you're one of those and you're keen to come on, reach out to me and uh, I promise it's not scary at all. Come and share your story. So thank you once again, Hannah. And as always, you know where we are. Please do reach out to me if you want to say hi, philippa at silverswanrecruitment.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. Anything you want us to discuss on the podcast, I've got more of my team members coming on. Not willingly, but coming on. Anything that you want us to talk about, any issues that are bothering you, any annoyances, we will discuss them. And then as always, if we can help you with your recruitment, help you with your staffing, please come and visit us at silverswanrecruitment.com. That's a wrap and we'll see you all next week. Cheers, guys.